So we have this special guest, uh, Pastor Matt Whalen and his family are uh, good friends of another person in our congregation, the Kwanzas, Barb and Rick, and um, they've known him for years, and, and Matt is a revivalist. He's uh, someone who moves in the anointing. He's someone who, who's um, going for breakthrough. He does uh, gatherings called Jesus Gatherings. He's ministered in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, where he's originally from, and helped the homeless and the poor and the needy, feeding people, as well as bringing the kingdom of God. How many know that it's not just uh, social, the kingdom of heaven is not just social services, and the kingdom of heaven is not just power. It's actually moving in loving the poor and also bringing the kingdom. And, uh, and Matt uh, does both. And so um, because he's a special guest speaker, I want you to be gracious to him. I want you to be gracious with your time and be open. You know, when I used to always hear of a guest speaker and I'd close my arms like this, okay, buddy, prove yourself to me. You know, <laughs> I might like you, but you got to make me like you. Um, listen. I'm t- I've invited him here. Just open your hearts. See what the Lord does. And if he does something miraculous, praise the Lord. But would you help me in honoring Matt, Pastor Matt Whalen? Come on up, Matt. We honor you, Matt. We receive the word on your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, buddy. Well, God, we just bless Matt. Holy Spirit, use him any way you want. May your words just flow through him. May it all point to Jesus. May we be transformed as we gaze into your glory today. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you, Matt. Paul, thank you. Mm. Thank you to that people here for just graciously welcoming us and just opening your home to our heart. Thank you for that. We get to come and just jump, jump right in the river with you guys. There was, Jesus rolled a kingdom grenade in here this morning, right? And praise the Lord. That, but I don't think that freedom's done. That's the beauty of it. We keep growing and increasing in the freedom of God, right? It's not a one-time experience. It's an everyday walk with him. And this is such an amazing, what an honor that God called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. What an amazing honor that we get to gather together as God's people to celebrate the one true and living king. What an amazing honor that we get to stand here together and worship the Lord Almighty, that all of heaven right now can't stop saying, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they don't stop day or night. I just did a little something right there. That was nothing compared to what they're doing. And I think the Bible records that the, the what is it, Paul, the doorposts of heaven in, in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up, and it says the doorposts of heaven are shaking. I don't know about you, but I can't even get that doorpost to shake with that holy. And I've got a mic Oh, but there's such a deep conviction in, in heaven and nobody is there. There's no 
praise and worship guy saying, okay, now it's time to say holy. They're just responding to the one they see. Oh God, that we could get there in our worship. That every fiber of our being, eyes fixed on the one seated on the throne and everything inside of us is reverberating and saying, holy is our God. Amen? All right. Praise the Lord. Well, I just, I wanna say uh, thank you to my wife and family. They've traveled out here. We hop in a minivan and we just go. Wherever the Lord says go, we go. Sometimes we have gas in the car, sometimes we don't, but we go. Sometimes the Lord just supernaturally provides as we go, and sometimes he does it beforehand, but God is so good, he just always, always, always is on time. Not my time, not your time, on his time. And praise God that it's on his time because we get to look back at it afterwards and realize, oh, wow, I didn't realize what you were teaching me in that time. So, Mary, could you stand up? No. Thank you. But this is my wife. They didn't get to meet you last night when we were here. This is Mary. As you can see, me and Paul both out kicked our coverage quite a bit, but, <laughs> but I, we have five kids. Where's Elijah? You can stand up for a second, Elijah. And Bobby, where, you, where are you at, Bobby? And Liberty, and Rama, and where's Zay? Isaiah. Zay, you're gonna have to stand up on a chair or something there, buddy, so we can see you. And I've got my father-in-law and mother-in-law with me here. They just jumped in the car from Texas, said, we're coming. And here they are, and James and Christy, uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, they're all here with their family, and they just jumped in the car from California. They came up to Colorado with us and said, we're coming down to Albuquerque, New Mexico, because that's where the Spirit of the Lord is. Thank you that the Spirit of the Lord is everywhere, because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, but there's something happening here in Albuquerque. Amen? Well... And is, I'm looking for Barb and Rick. Where are you guys? So we've been, the, my father-in-law and mother-in-law have been friends with them like since the 1800s. <laughs> but, but I've known Rick and Barb for, it's been almost 20 years almost, 18 years or so. And they have so graciously uh, welcomed me and my family on so many different times and just open their home, open their hearts. And so I just wanna say thank you so much. Much of what the Lord has done through our lives has been a result of all of those I just named off. And now we get to share some of that with you guys. And you know, when the Apostle Paul would come into a place, he, he would say, I long to be with you so that we would be mutually edified. So what you guys have edifies me. It's not just this one-way street, right? It's, it's a dual thing. It's, it's so beautiful because in the end of it all, you know, when we get to the other side of this thing, uh, there's not gonna be a need for apostles. There's not gonna be a need for prophets. We're seeing Jesus. There's not gonna be a need of evangelists. Everybody's saved in heaven. There's not gonna be a need of the gift of miracles. Everything's made whole. Right? There's not going to be all this, no deliverance taking place in, in heaven. It's, everybody is fully set free. Thank you, God. We long for that, right? Amen. And, but 
we will be brothers and sisters forever. That, that title holds the greatest weight because that's a forever thing and we are of the family of God. And isn't that awesome to know that we are gonna rejoice together to the glorious King forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And therefore, I mean, is your heart longing for that? I mean, my heart's long. I mean, I wanna do what the Lord says to do while I'm here, right? And look, unless your name is Lazarus, you only got one shot at this gig. So while you're here, the time is short. The prophet said, it's but a vapor. You see it one day, the breath of it, and then it's gone within a second. It's like a blade of grass. It's up one day, and in Texas, we see this all the time. The blade of grass, and then the heat hits it, and it withers away. This is very, very short here on earth, but we have the eternal. And one of the things that we were delivered from out of the darkness was out of the darkness of this temporal life that tells us and dictates us and tells us we gotta worry about this, that, and everything else. And we get to live as eternal beings, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and therefore we can just run and go for Jesus. All right, I'm gonna preach to myself then. Amen, right? We just get to go for Jesus. So I was thinking about this when we were worshiping. And there's like three kinds of people that ride roller coasters. <laughs> Crazy thoughts sometimes come into my head while I'm worshiping. But like there's three kinds of people that will ride roller coasters. There's the first group they don't ride roller coasters. Then there's the second group, and they ride roller coasters, and they grip so tight on that front bar, and their heads are ducked in, their eyes are closed, and there's like a, anybody in here one of those ones? And then there's that third group. That third group, a bunch of fruit cakes and nuts, and that third group throws their hands up, and says, let's go, woo, Jesus, right? And it's like, if you were a disciple, you are either gonna follow him or not. You're either gonna hold on for dear life while you were following him, or you're just gonna say, all right, you know what? Let's go. And I think along the, along the way, we get to that place. It takes a little bit of time. The first time I rode a roller coaster, I was like gripping that thing so tight. But as we get acclimated with it, we talked about this a little bit last night, but it's like the first thing that Jesus does with the disciples is he's like, hey, come and follow me. They're like, oh yeah, that's gonna be great. And water turns to wine and it's like, oh yes, this is good. This wasn't, okay. This is, this is wicked getting to follow this guy right here. He's turning water to wine. And then all of a sudden the guy's making a whip and he's driving out people in the temple, John 2. By the way, he did that twice, not just once. At the very beginning of his ministry and at the very end of his ministry kind of an interesting thing to kind of consider with the Lord. He cleans house in the beginning and he cleans house in the end. And for all of us, since we are the temple of the Lord, it is good to allow for the whip of Jesus to come in and to clean house. We should receive that. David said about the correction of the Lord, it is as kindness. It is like, he says, the rebuke of the righteous is as kindness. It's like oil poured upon my head. It's breaking all the yokes, right? There's a power in the correction of the Lord. 
But so when you're following Jesus, there's gonna be these moments and there's gonna be these times where it is gonna be so incredibly exciting. And then there's gonna be those times where you're just like hanging on for dear life. Anybody in here ever experienced that before? And you don't even know if you're gonna make it. You don't even know, you can barely breathe. The drop on this one feels too much. But I wanna let you know that if Jesus has called you to it, he will get you through it. And if Jesus is on your side, then you don't have to worry about who is against you. Because if the Lord is for you, who can be against you? And this is just a real simple reminder and sometimes we wanna remind ourselves because the enemy wants to cloak us with this heaviness. He wants to weigh us down with all the stuff of the world. But Jesus is always ripping that stuff off and putting on us an oil of joy. He is putting on us a garment of praise. He is pushing off the heaviness. He's pushing off all that stuff so we can just be free. Oh, his love is so good. His love is so good that it actually, the perfect part of his love casts out every ounce of fear not just some of fear but all of fear and then what we're supposed to do is raise this shield so every time the enemy fires one of those darts to come against what the Lord's called us to continue in we raise that shield the shield of faith and it is to quench every single fiery dart of the enemy don't put your shield down, brothers and sisters. The enemy wants that shield down. But don't put that shield down. Actually, in the, in the olden days, where they were getting the, the reference from was this, was this shield that wasn't just a small shield, it was this large shield the Romans would use. And oftentimes, those shields would actually interconnect. And they would use it to march upon an enemy. Do you know that I need your shield up in order to move forward and to come into the forward motion of the kingdom? Because the kingdom is not on the de defensive. The kingdom is on the offensive. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell, gates are on the defensive. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus' command to us was go. Jesus' command to us was not stay. Jesus' command to us was go. And therefore we can go, but we need one another in order to do this. We need each other. And if it was a shield of faith and we are all being brought into a unity of faith, that means we all need to get in this game together and to move forward in the kingdom. Every single prayer in this room matters. Every single prayer that you pray matters. Don't let the enemy ever stop that prayer. Don't let him take away that intercession. Every prayer matters. And it is critical and it is important. And in this day, God is not just bringing us into a unity that we're all just kumbaya, my Lord, you do you, I'll do me. He is bringing us into a unity that is saying, let's march together. Lay down the offenses, lay down the stuff. Lay down. Well, I like that preacher because he's a little more quiet or I like this guy because he's a little more loud. Or, you know what? I was at odds with this person all those years ago but you're feeling the tug of the Spirit of God. You're feeling that beautiful tug. You know it takes faith to step with that tug of the Lord Jesus. And say, so, you know, I have been called to forgiveness. Do you know one of the greatest, one of the greatest gifts that's been given to us, one of the most empowering gifts that's been given to us is the power to forgive. 
What if Jesus didn't forgive us? Do you know one of the greatest kingly anointings that the Lord poured on us wasn't just to cast out demons, wasn't just to bring forth miracles, it wasn't just to see the gospel preached. One of the greatest gifts was that he gave us the authority and the power to forgive. We actually see this even in our own country. A president has the power to do what? To pardon. Do we realize how powerful this really is? It is so powerful that one of the kingly anointings from Christ that comes upon us is the power to pardon. Oh, Lord, just let it pour all over us. Because Jesus modeled it for us. He modeled it so well. And God is always about redemption. He's not, he's not wanting to always destroy. He's wanting to redeem. And one of the greatest ways we all function together is by when that brother says that certain thing or that sister does that certain thing or that person rubbed us the wrong way or all the different excuses or reasons, every single one of them needs to die at the cross just like it died for Jesus at the cross. Because when Jesus was on the cross, if you remember, it took the deepest place of faith for him to say, oh, Father, I trust you that you will not leave my soul in Hades. You will not leave me there. You will raise me up. But he stepped into this faith knowing that he was going to be betrayed, knowing he was going to be spoken ill against, knowing that he was going to be humiliated, knowing he was going to have be whipped and torn and shredded, knowing they were going to pull out his beard, knowing they were going to pierce his hands and pierce his feet, knowing that they were going to put a crown of thorns to mock him, knowing that every single thing was going to, that could absolutely humiliate him was going to come at him. And this was the moment in all of time, in that moment, when Jesus is on that cross, where faith was exercised, that muscle came so strong. The Apostle Paul says the only thing that avails anything is faith working itself through love. Love believes all things. The power of God's love in that moment was so deep. And when the Lord looks out over the crowd, that crown of thorns is on him and that blood is coming down that he does not see what's happening to him. He sees through his own blood. He doesn't see the sins of the people. He sees, he doesn't see what the people, the sins are doing to him. He doesn't see his own wounds, his own scars, his own hurts, his own emotions that would get in there and say, well, get them back. What he sees is through the blood and he sees what they are doing to themselves. You see, when somebody does something wrong, you must see it through the eyes of Jesus, not what they're doing to you, but rather what they're doing to themselves. And that we all would contain that heart of Christ in that moment and exercise that faith and say, this isn't about my feelings. This isn't about how I feel. This is about this dear person. Lord, save them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Oh, that there would come, there would come such a flow of forgiveness through the body of Christ. There would come such a deep heart 
like Christ on that cross, that we would know that we pick up our cross every single day. That means every single day there is a new opportunity to walk unoffended. Every single day there is a new opportunity to die to the self and to live by faith. Oh, we don't walk by what we see. We walk by faith. We don't walk by how we feel. We don't walk according to the flesh. We walk according to the spirit. And we walk in this place of faith that says, that man did it. And he said, follow me. And he filled me up with the spirit so I could do it because I couldn't do it. Oh, following Jesus is one of the most exciting, invigorating, and honoring things that could ever happen. Do you know in that day in the, in the, in the New Testament, to be a disciple of a rabbi was one of the greatest honors. It was one of the greatest honors. Those that didn't make the cut in the Hebrew mind were known as the poor in spirit. And Jesus comes along and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you know what was happening inside of them? They felt all rejected by the religious system, but Jesus was welcoming and saying, blessed are you, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. He was welcoming them. He's welcoming us. We're all the Gentiles. He's welcoming us into a discipleship. Do you know the honor to not just be discipled by the greatest rabbi ever, but the honor to be able to carry his sword Wow. The honor to be able to obey his commands. The honor to become like him. How is that even possible? How can we become like him? He was perfect. But this is what he's drawing us into, to become like him. Oh, what would the church look like if we were to become like Jesus so many of the issues would just dissolve. But you know what? We're all on this journey together. And different ones are at different places. But those that may be more mature, locked a little bit longer, they understand where the ones are and where they are in their life. And everybody say, come on, I've been there. Let me show you the way of Jesus. Let me point you to him. Let me show you him. Follow me as I follow Christ. There's one high priest, and his name is Jesus. Oh, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. If you could turn with me to Matthew. It's a great book. An incredible name on that book. Math, what? <laughs> Matthew 14, 22. And I'm just gonna go through this real quick here. I just wanna bless your hearts. Matthew 14, 22 through 33 is some of the most craziest, explosive verses in all of the Bible. It's the very familiar passage that we all know when Jesus does what? Walks on water. How many of you have tried it? Come on, be honest. There's some of us, right? We've gone out there. Some of us have tried it at the pool. Some of us tried it on puddles. The real brave ones went out there on a boat. No, but sometimes we tried it. I don't think it's such a bad idea to try. I think God actually kind of likes that. He wants us to explore and to try. Right? He, that's, that's how, he's a good dad. I love when my kids try something new. 
I love it when, when they'll exercise that little faith muscle, right? It's, it's something, we wanna, we wanna empower our kids to do these things. All right, let's read this real quick. Immediately, verse 22, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. This is Jesus, he had just fed the 5,000. Right before that, John the Baptist had died beheaded. Right before that, Jesus had sent out his disciples to go and to preach the gospel. As they're out there preaching the gospel, John the Baptist is beheaded. You know, we always, all of us say, hey, I want to go. Here I am. Send me. But you know, the true sending of the Lord means that you better put your life completely on the line for that deal. While they're out there, John the Baptist is dead. You know, they're hearing that news. It must have been like, whoa, this is real deal. This is real deal. But when they come back, Jesus says to them, okay, let's go and let's have a little mini vacation. I need to get, get alone. He was grieved. I need to get alone, so they're gonna go. They're gonna spend a couple days in Hawaii, kind of unwind from their big journey that they've been on, and now Jesus is gonna get alone. And, and all of a sudden, the people follow him back around to the other side, and this is when Jesus says to the disciples, oh, by the way, I forgot to give you the handout before we did this, but now I need you to feed all 5,000 of these people. No, it's in the, it, out of nowhere, just like, hey, we gotta feed them. And they're like, how are we gonna feed all these people? There's not enough bread to do all this. And Jesus now provides a miracle in order for this to happen. This was supposed to be their vacay. And instead, here they are working again. You know, sometimes Jesus will ask you to sacrifice things in moments when you thought it was supposed to be something else. Just be prepared for it because that's when you get to experience miraculous things. How many of you guys have found it's when you step out of the comforts of the moment when you thought you were supposed to have something and something else happens and all of a sudden God shows up, right? It's not always based on our sacrifice. It's based on his goodness. But I'll tell you, sometimes when you're willing to just surrender and let go, it gives the room to the Lord Jesus Christ Almighty. You know, we always sing that song, come and fill me up, fill me up, fill me up. And Jesus says, I think Jesus sometimes in heaven, come and get emptied out, emptied out, emptied out, so I can fill you up, fill you up, right? And we gotta empty ourselves out of all the junk, all the selfish ways, and just say, pick up your cross every day. You know the one thing we don't graduate from in this walk with the Lord? Jesus said, pick up your cross daily. We don't get to graduate from that one. But do you know how freeing it is when the presence of God comes on you and you are dying to yourself every day by the power of the Holy Spirit, not your own strength, but you're just surrendering to the power of the Spirit. All right, here we go. Now Jesus tells them, after they have fed all these people, he says, well, I want you to go to the other side. Get in the boat, go to the other side. Jesus prays for all these people. Jesus goes up on a mountain to pray. I don't know about you, but if, if that miracle would have happened at that point in time, I'm pulling out Facebook Live and all this other stuff saying, look at what happened. Jesus just gets alone. He goes up on a mountain and prays. And it says in the fourth watch of the night, well, let's read it. Verse 23, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was alone there. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. 
And they cried out. They literally cry out with fear. Like, sometimes we need to actually see what did this actually look like, right? Brother, come on up here for a second. This brother right here, come on up. And this brother, these, these guys, come on up here for one second. Just at the hall floor, you guys, right there. Just come, come right on up here. Now, these guys are in the boat with Jesus, right? You following Jesus? All you guys following Jesus? Amen? Amen? Okay, come on up here so we can see you. We're going to hold every single one of these guys accountable to what they're saying right now, right? So all you guys love Jesus, amen? Amen. So you're following Jesus, and Jesus says, okay, get in this boat. You just experienced this incredible miracle, and you're all talking about it. Like, did you see what he did? And you're all talking. There you go. Go ahead and talk about it. And all of a sudden, this storm, and you're rowing the boat. Go ahead, row your boat. Row, row, row your boat. <laughs> Gently down the stream, right? So you're rowing your boat, and now what happens is this. A big storm comes right at you guys. You go, all right, I'm good shot. These guys are good, huh? Yes. So a big storm's coming at you guys, and you guys are just like, oh my God. And you're rowing, and you're real, realizing at this point, you gotta remember, it's like 4 a.m. You had just come to go on a vacation, right? You come to go on a vacation, and Jesus, all these people show up, and Jesus puts you straight to work. And you are exhausted, and you would think the goodness of God at this point in time would be the wind at your sails. But there's a storm instead, and it comes at you, and you're exhausted, completely exhausted, Tired as can be, and all of a sudden, it's like this storm is kicking up. And now Jesus comes walking on the water. But you all think it's a ghost. And you're screaming. You're screaming for fear. That is the weakest scream I have ever heard in my life. Go ahead and scream for fear like you literally, it's a ghost walking. Like, this is really happening, right? This was really happening. And these guys were freaked out. The craziest part of this story is not that these guys were freaked out. It's not that Jesus was walking on the water. There's an old scripture in Job that says, he treads upon the waves of the seas. Love when you go find those little golden nuggets in scripture these guys wish they had known it then. but So in this moment, the craziest part about it is not Jesus walking on the water. He created the water. These guys know this, and here he is walking on it. The craziest moment is Peter. Just stand over there for a second, guys. Peter, you just hang right here for a second. Get right, right with him here. All right? You guys need to look like you're afraid. Or we're going to get some of the bigger guys up here to make sure it happens. <laughs> watch, watch this, brothers and sisters, and let this just touch your hearts. 
as they look, it says they're terrified and say, it's a ghost, and they're crying out with fear. Ah! <laughs> Lord, we just pray for these brothers right now. Let the anointing of the fear of the Lord come on them. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. In the original, it was the be of good cheer. We know that we can go all the way back to when, when the Lord says that to Joshua. Whenever there is great fear, Please, brothers and sisters, whenever it seems like the, the, it said the wind was contrary to them, it was against them, it was fighting against them. Whenever these things in life, and they are gonna come up when you're following Jesus. And by the way, Jesus never told these guys what was gonna happen when they went across the water. He did not put that one in the bulletin. He did not tell them or give them a five-step course beforehand and say, this is how you deal with this situation. They didn't have anything but the moment. But they did have who they were following, and they did command, they did what he commanded them to do. This is amazing. You know, sometimes the Lord will command you to do something, and it's gonna look like everything is against you. It's gonna feel like all of it is against you, but the Lord is doing something to test. And this is his goodness to do this, because he knows that there's something inside of us that we have yet to discover. And he wants to uncover it, but he does it often through circumstance and situation, which we often blame on Satan, but God's just sitting there like, I'm trying to help you here. And in this moment, he says, be of good cheer. Brothers and sisters, whenever you've got great fear, hear the words of the Lord. Be of good cheer. Let your fear meet his cheer. And know that he's for you. Know that he's against you. Let faith rise in your heart. Peter, in this moment, answered him. Lord, if it's you, com command me to come to you on the water. What? For a second... I know we often go into the thing right away. Peter walked in the water a second, and then he drowns, and Jesus grabs him out of drowning. But do you understand? Peter's in the boat. He's afraid like everybody else. They're all saying it's a ghost. Who in their right mind says to a ghost, if it's you, call me out on the water? It makes no kind of sense. But in this moment... Something is going on in Peter's heart. I don't know about you, but if it's me, in that moment, if I'm having a conversation with what I think is a ghost, but maybe might be Jesus, I'm at least gonna say this, Lord, if that's you, I've already seen you make the storm stop. I've already seen you tell the wind to cease. I've already been in the boat before when you were asleep and you didn't tell me you're gonna do that one either. If that is you, tell that wind to stop. Tell those storms, those waves to calm down and then call me out. How many of us are like that? Lord, make the circumstance and the situation just right and then I'll follow you. Right? We all do it. And yet God wants, there's something deeper inside of all of us. 
And in that moment, here's, here's Peter, crazy Peter. And Peter is such an absolute numbskull for the most of, of when you watch his life, right? He's the only man that we know recorded that followed Jesus that's, that basically rebukes Jesus in front of everybody. What is this guy thinking? And he's the only guy that we know of that Jesus tells to his disciples and says, get behind me, Satan. He calls him Satan. Peter's always messing up. But let's give Peter some props here. Peter in this moment steps up and says, if that's you, call me out onto the water. Look, at, if that's me, if I don't say calm the storms, I'm at least taking my brother Andrew and throwing him out there and seeing if he sinks or swims first. I'm throwing that fleece out there, right? I mean, this is crazy what Peter's doing. Jesus answers him this. Crazy point number two. Come. One word. Come. Uh-uh-uh-uh, no way, Jose. I, you're telling me every single thing I've eaten from last week all the way into this week, Lord, you better read my entire meal and I'm gonna make sure that that's you. How many of that us? We need that prophetic word to be so crazy. I go, you better show me before I step out. I need that thing to be, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna tell me everything that has ever happened to me since the fifth grade all the way to now. That would have been me in that moment. I'd been like, yes, Lord. Okay, if that's you, tell me when I had indigestion from that burrito that I ate that had too much green chili on it. Lord, you better bring me some more information. One word. Oh, but my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. One word from the living God can change everything. It can unlock a place of faith inside of you that makes no sense to your mind, makes no sense to anybody around you, but it's exactly what the Lord is calling his people to. When we were in our mother's womb, we knew the heartbeat of our mother. Nobody had to instruct us in what that is. Nobody had to tell us. We knew because we heard it over and over and over again. It was the first cadence. And we heard the voice of that mother. And we heard the voice of that father that was there, and we knew what it was. You see, you are born from above. And when you're born from above, you know the cadence and the heartbeat of God. You know the voice of the living God. You know it, you know it, and you know it, and you know it. But all throughout life, we're always told, oh, I don't know if I hear God. I don't know if I know God. Let me tell you something. If you were born from above, you know the voice of the living God. And sometimes you just need to tell yourself that because the enemy is working overtime to tell you that you don't. So you need to work overtime and say, I know my king and I know his voice. He is the one that has rescued me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He is the one that broke these chains off of me. He is the one that took my spirit that was dead and awakened it. I know the voice of my living God. I know the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I know the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last and the rider on the white horse. I know the way, the truth and the life. 
I know that he is good and he's good all the time. I know that he is the Lord God Almighty and he's God all by himself and he doesn't need anybody to prove that he is God because he is the Lord. He is my rescuer, my redeemer. He is everything that I could ever ask for, everything I could ever want or hope for. He is the all in all. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord is God and we know his voice. This is one of the greatest things, we know his voice. And the enemy always wanted to put the world's cotton in our ears and so now we get into this overanalyzation. Was that God, was that a God? And, and I get it, sometimes we have to go and search it out in scripture but just know you know him. You know him in the faith that is attached to knowing him. Oh, we get paralyzed so much. Paralyzation by analyzation is constant. And God, in this moment, Peter doesn't have time but to just hear one word come. Peter, step out of the boat. Step on out. There you go. And for a moment in time, the only one recorded that we know of walks on water. Ah, this is a crazy moment, guys. Peter's response is wild, but that's what faith does. It breaks us out of everything. You know, Peter's probably not being encouraged by the scaredy cats over here. And I'll tell you, be blessed, brothers, be blessed. But we don't claim that over your lives. It's just for right now. <laughs> but you guys understand when you go to step out in faith, normally you're not gonna have a cheering section. Normally, people are thinking about their own life and they're thinking like, what are you doing? We've got self-preservation, self-protection, self-promotion, self-everything, and we're supposed to die to self. And in this moment, Peter takes this step, it's faith, he's dying to everything because he knows that Jesus called him to do it. And when Jesus calls you to do something, just do it. When it's the voice of the Lord, when it's the voice of the Lord God Almighty, walk on out. And here's the craziest thing, following Jesus will be the most dangerous thing we'll ever do. And yet it's the safest place you could ever be because the presence of God was on that water, but it was empty in that boat. It was fear in the boat, but the presence of the Lord God Almighty was on that water. Whoa. So which one's safer, in what man can build or what God can walk on? You see, all these guys were fishermen, most of them. Peter especially, he knew how to build a boat. He knew how to design that boat. And that boat is supposed to make him float, but in this moment, he realized, I've been rowing all night. I've been going in my own strength all night. You see, faith will take you out of your own strength and get you into the spirit. And now you can do the supernatural things that the boat can't do. We've had too many boats built by men, but Jesus is building his church, and it's a people that walk by faith, a household of faith, a people that will walk and do things that look different, sound different. Come on out of the boat, brothers and sisters. The Lord's gonna rearrange, but it's gonna be a beautiful exchange. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Mm, thank you, Lord. But when he saw the wind, 
he was afraid. Real simple. Keep your eyes on Jesus. The author and the perfecter of your faith. The Lord is unctioning a people to walk out of the comforts of what don't get us anywhere. Receive his love. Receive his love in the depths of your heart. Receive his love in such a way that all fear is cast out and all faith is released. Receive his love in such a way that all the things of this world grow completely and strangely dim. And you can walk on water with Jesus. It is gonna take such an incredible supernatural move of God to rip through this country. If we were to be honest, it is gonna take something that goes beyond what man can do. It is gonna take such an amazing, amazing move of God. Many people say that the most difficult place for the spirit of the Lord to move is in areas where people are most comfortable. The Lord does not spit a cold church out of his mouth, but he does spit a lukewarm one out. Sometimes the greatest enemy to the best is the good. It's not the worst. Because we can settle. We can settle for the boat. But when Jesus tells Peter to come out, and then Peter walks out in the water, and then Peter takes his eyes off of the one and the only reason why he's out there, Peter is an amazing case study. Faith like no tomorrow and fear like, what are you thinking in this moment? And you know what the Lord does to Peter? And I think this is for every single one of us to receive. The Lord says to Peter this. Peter cries out and says, Lord, save me. And let me tell you something right now. If you get out there in faith, oftentimes, things will happen and it will get difficult and you'll have these moments and you'll be like, oh, I'm sinking. I got my eyes off of Jesus. Just cry out to him and say, Lord, save me. Just cry out to him. Right now, let that be released. Let that be released. Some of you have stepped out in some faith before. Some of you have stepped out in some things and felt like you started to sink, felt like it didn't happened the way you thought it was supposed to or whatever it was and you saw the things of the world your eyes got off of Jesus and when the world's ways you got your eyes back on it it was like oh yeah I don't know about this but let that right now just be a cry in your heart that says Lord save me Lord rescue me Lord deliver me Lord bring me back up Lord you're the only one I can call on you're the only one I got right now it's just you and you and you and you and you alone because in that moment Peter does exert now a little mustard seed of faith again and that's what happens. We can do this and we can get back up. But in this moment, we've got to be able to receive what the Lord is going to say next. We've got to be able to be mature enough to realize that the Lord was not done with us. It wasn't just to save us, but it was to do something so much more. And you know, the Lord has saved all of us in here. And if you don't know him, you need to come to him right now. You need to cry out of your heart and say, Lord, save me. Because those storms are real and that boat will sink. But you gotta cry out from the depth 
deep places of your heart, knowing that he created you, and just say, Lord, save me, because there's only one Savior. There's only one way. There's only one truth. There's only one light, and his name is Jesus. He created you. But for those that know him, we can cry out again, do not lose hope. Don't let your faith fail. Let it rise in your heart again and just say, Lord, save me. And you get walking again with him. But what the Lord is gonna say next to us, and he does this every time, and because he's good, he's not done with us. And he who began this good work is faithful and just to complete it. He's still writing it, and it's still dipped in the ink of his blood. Lord, save us. Lord, save us. Save us from ourselves, oh God. Save us, not from the waters, but save us, Lord God, from the spirit of the world. Save us from always trying to do this thing our own way. Save us from rowing in our own strength, oh God. The Lord immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I'm not pinning this guy out right now, but he got to walk on water. Now he needs to deal with the repercussions. No. But oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You guys are in the back of the boat going. <laughs> but if I'm Peter in this moment, Again, guys, I don't know about you, but I'm like this. Uh, Lord, let's just replay this for a second. I stepped out of the boat while my little friends over there, still huddled in their little fear huddle, were screaming because it was a ghost. I stepped out. Why are you looking at me? Why don't you go talk to those boys over there, and then you and I can have a conversation, Right? It's like, talk to them, not to me. I'm the one that stepped out of this boat. Lord, I stepped out of a boat that had waves and wind. I didn't even ask you to stop that. I just came right out to you. Okay, so I had a little moment. I saw the wind. I saw the waves. You know, that thing hit me in the face. I got seaweed wrapped around my head. Lord, what's going on? Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? Do you know what I believe in this moment? God knew that Peter was gonna lead in that early church. And he knew what was inside of Peter that Peter didn't even know. I believe Peter could have walked hand in hand with the Lord all the way back to shore. And the Lord wanted him to. And I believe that as they got out there, these guys would have stepped out and they would have been encouraged by Peter's faith. And they would have seen that is where the safe place is. We need a church right now in the Western world. You see, to lead isn't about preaching messages. To lead isn't about doing all this stuff. To lead is to step out and to go first. Just go first and let those, every single one of you in here has a sphere of influence. Just step out in faith and follow Jesus. Don't stop. Keep going. Keep going. You can walk on water. You can walk on the things that the world is saying you'll sink in. You can walk, and you can walk because Jesus is with you. We are a people that are supposed to be a supernatural people. Let's everybody stand up for a second. We're a supernatural people. We were not called to be living temporal, little 
temples. We are here as an eternal people. We are here that Jesus said about us, greater things will you do than even I did. Jesus has said about you, these signs and words will follow them that believe. Jesus is speaking to us and saying, I want to find faith when I come back on this earth. Not a faith that just says, yes, I believe your Lord. Even the demons tremble and believe that. But a faith that says, I believe mountains can be moved. I believe I can walk in the depths of forgiveness. I believe the church can look just like Jesus said it could. I believe, Lord, I believe, I believe, I believe. Faith, rise up. Faith, get up. Faith, get up in our hearts. This is something that we're gonna have to walk together in. This is something we're gonna have to do. But I'm telling you, if people will start stepping out greater and greater, start moving past the protocols of man, Stop moving past the policies that have always stopped God's people from getting over these thresholds. There is something that God is asking of his people in this day that looks so far different than what we've known. This is not about big screen, skinny jeans, and smoke machines. This is about a people that will walk in such authenticity and will move across this earth in a power that has been granted them by God. We are to be clothed with Jesus Christ. There's not time to play church. This is not time to just come to a Sunday service. This is not, to, there never was time for that. The Lord wants to tip this apple cart completely over and let a people learn what it means to be a household of faith. I just want to drop this one thing into you. God the Father, from the beginning of time, God the Father, desired in his heart a family. He desired it. He came up with this plan. We didn't. You see, in the beginning, before time ever was, the perfect display of love was on full display for all of heaven. It was the koinonia of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It was this perfect love there was no blemish. There was nothing wrong with it. It was holy, holy, holy. And everything that saw it said, holy, holy, holy is this. Amazing, wonderful, majestic, without anything wrong. But love in the ultimate had to release. Because love by definition cannot contain itself within itself or else it ceases to be love. You see, God wanted to share what he had in the perfect being of who he is with us. He wanted us to experience it. He wanted us to enjoy it. He wanted us to feel it in its depths. And do you know that we don't get to get into the fullness of it unless we start to believe and believe it in its fullest, that every fiber of our being would believe it in its fullest. I'm not there. Encourage me to get there. And when you're not there, I'm gonna encourage you to get there. But together, we gotta put up that shield of faith, interlock this thing and move forward. God the Father so craved and desired to share this love with the children. But you know, it didn't stop there. God the Father wanted a family to dwell among, but God the Son desired a bride to dwell with. And this is that intimate tug that you feel. It's a little bit different than knowing that you're a son or knowing that you're a daughter. But I'll say this, if you know you're a son and you know you're a daughter, that means you are a brother and that means you are a sister. It's not an individual identity. This is a collective identity. And therefore, it's not me, myself, or us four and no more. It's all of us together. 
This is not an individualistic gospel. If you've got the revelation that you're a son or you have the revelation you're a daughter, that means you have a brothers and sisters and you are called to love them as Christ has loved you. God the Son so desired that we would experience the intimate love and he so desired that that bride would stand up and put on those beautiful garments and prepare herself every single day for the coming of the Lord. And the cry of her heart would be, Maranatha, 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 come, Lord, come. Because I want to be with you, Lord. You and you alone. Oh, that the cry of Maranatha would return to the church, not out of a place of escapism mentality, hoping we get raptured, but out of this place is, we want you, Jesus. We want your kingdom to come. We want your will to be done. We want to experience you. Faith is a direct threat, a direct threat to our flesh. And praise God Almighty, because this thing's passing away, but there's an eternal you that wants so desperately to walk in the fullness of what Jesus died for you for. It's called the abundant life. And you can experience it in the here and now while your heart is crying out, Lord, I just wanna see you face to face. I don't care about anything in this world. I just care about you. The eternal, the eternal riches of Christ to be poured out. In the same way that God the Son desired a bride, God the Spirit desired a body to dwell in. This was their heart. This was their design. The church was never supposed to be a franchise. It was always supposed to be a family. The church was never meant to be a bride. I mean, the church was never meant to be a business. It was meant to be a bride. You guys hear me? The church was not supposed to be a bunch of atrophied people sitting in pews. It was supposed to be a functioning body that the Spirit could move through anybody at any time, at any place. This is what God desires. And so we must, we must, we must hear the call of our Lord. And we must say, Lord, don't let it be our design. Lord, don't let it be our way. Lord, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Just lift our hands for a second. I just want to pray a blessing over you, and then I'm done. But the Spirit of God is never done. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are moving among a people on this earth again. God, I just pray for the grace that comes from above to have ears to hear and hearts to respond to you. Lord, I pray, God, you're the one that gives us the faith to begin with. So we just want to acknowledge you as the faith giver. We acknowledge you, Holy Spirit, as the one that does the work. We can't grind up enough to get enough faith stirred up in us, but Lord, we can come to you believing. We can come to you just like Isaiah came, and though in one moment he is completely undone and saying, ah, oh, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Lord, he can be so honest and so transparent because in you nothing can hide. Nothing can hide in your light. Oh God, I pray that we would have that holy, 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 
holy moment that inside we could say, God, we're, we're nothing, we're nothing. God, we're completely undone in your presence. And yet at the very exact moment, say, here I am, send me. Because your love fills us up in that moment that we're completely emptied out. Father, I pray, I pray, Lord God, that the fear of the Lord would return to your people. Oh, God has said about you, Jesus, that the fear of the Lord was your delight. God, can it be our delight again to have a healthy fear of you that every decision we make, everything we're thinking about, we're saying, what would God think about this? What would Jesus do? What would he say, Lord, that we could walk and live and move and have our being in you and you alone? Oh, Lord. Lord, teach us how to rend our hearts. Teach us how to rend our hearts again, oh God. Teach us, sweep through each of us, Lord. Yes, Jesus, thank you for your freedom, oh God. Thank you, Jesus, we get to do this together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, knit, knit our hearts in your love, oh Lord. Lord, that we could weep again, and yet we could rejoice that we could experience all the different things that your heart experiences. Lord, that we would truly be one with you. Do your work, Jesus. Do your work, Jesus. Help us to get out of the way. Help us to get our fingerprints off of it. Oh, Jesus. Save us, oh God. For the glory of your name, for the mercy that comes from your heart that never stops, God. Lord, that you would be glorified among the nations, that you and you alone would be seen. Oh, Lord, let there come an anointing upon a people again that know how to decrease so you can increase. Oh, Lord, that every mountain would come down and every valley would come up. Oh, God, that every, every rough way would be made smooth so that there could be a return of the king of kings. So just let the ministry of Jesus flow through this room right now. If you're receiving from the Lord, if you're pressing in more, you're free to do that in this room. If you want to come forward for prayer, we want to pray with you. But Father, we just honor you in this room. Holy Spirit, we honor you in this room. And God, we love you. Lord, have your way in our hearts have your way in our families, have your way in our church, our community, our city, our state. Lord, may you bring the gift of faith in our lives, cast out all doubt, so that we can walk faithfully with you in the center of our gaze. So we love you, Jesus. I wanna invite our prayer ministers, our pastors to come up if you want prayer right now, if you feel this gift of faith coming on you, this message resonated in your heart. You said, that's me. I've stepped out and I need more. I just, I need to get back to Jesus. I'm in a place that's difficult right now. Never thought I'd be here, but I know that Jesus is here for me. Just come forward. We want to pray for you. Other than that, I want to bless you guys. May you have an amazing week. May this message resonate in your heart as you go throughout your day. Bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week. Our first combination service, by the way.
So if someone comes and says, this is my seat, you're going to have to, you're going to have to work that out. Be gracious. Bless you guys. We love you. Have an amazing time. Make sure you come up and receive some prayer. Bless you.